0: Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia.
1: Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself,
2: Malik King Scott.
1: Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards.
2: This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Cosmo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. Today, I'm on my own. I'm not joined by Ayaz Sumra, Unfortunately, he couldn't be here. So um, I'm on my own for the review part of the show, so it shouldn't be too long this week. But um, we're going to get straight into this, or I'm going to get straight into this. um, With the Wednesday night show in Glendale, Arizona, USA, Lee Selby defended his IBF World Featherweight title against Fernando Montiel. Now... Selby gets his set 22nd win, um, Montiel gets his 5th loss, Fernando Montiel's record now 54 wins, 5 losses and 2 draws. Uh, Selby, he won unanimously but he didn't impress to be honest. Um, I, I think a lot of top boys in the featherweight division will now be looking at him because um, I just think that Selby was getting hit too much. Selby couldn't establish his jab at all throughout the fight. He rarely landed with a jab. But, um, I mean, he'd done done enough to win unanimously in America. That's his first defense of that title, which he won from Evgeny Um, Montiel Montiel did quite well. You could see that he had a lot of experience. I think he's a two- or three-time world champion, you could see that Fernando Montiel had a lot of experience. He was using his ring smarts um, on Lee Selby, and Lee Selby did not. He did not look as impressive as he has looked. Um, I mean, I think he's a great champion, Selby, and I think he can he can go on to be one of our our best champions and a really really good champion. But I think he did not perform. Um, as much as you know, he didn't he, he didn't impress as much as I thought he would do. Especially Montiel, now aged 36. But uh, maybe it was just an off night for Lee Selby. A lot of boxers have those those type of days. Um, moving down that that card, Devon Alexander lost a unanimous decision um, to Aaron Martinez. Aaron Martinez 19 and four. He now moves to 20 and four. Devon Alexander is racked up his fourth loss here. Devon Alexander started the fight pretty, pretty okay, and then he um, he just sort of lost it midway in the fight. And he let Aaron Martinez take it away from him. So, I'm not sure what Devin Alexander's got left. Two wins... uh, Sorry, two losses on the bounce now. One to Amir Khan um, last year. That was in December 2014. And now, 10 months later, he's got a loss to Aaron Martinez. So... I'm not sure I'm not sure what what, what else he's got to offer. He's only 28, so he's still a young boxer, but I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe his best days are behind him. He possibly peaked too early in his career. Um, That's it for Wednesday. So we'll move over to Friday. Very, very gutsy effort from Nathan Cleverly. He faced Andre Fonfara for the WBC international light heavyweight title. It's nice to see cleverly back at light heavyweight. Um cleverly broke his nose during the fight and carried on. He showed so much heart, uh, so much determination. He's actually trying to get himself a rematch as we speak, but um from Farah, um, I think he's very underrated, very strong, um, technically probably not the best boxer, but very, very tough and very game. Um, he brings a lot to the fight, but um, he just had a bit too much for Nathan Cleverley, and it's a shame because um, Nathan Cleverley, you know, I think he's running out of options at the moment. I don't think he's got many other places to go. Uh, I know he turned down a, a world title fight with Jürgen Bremer to fight from A lot of people probably wouldn't put from Fara above Bremer and he's lost to from So I'm not sure what he does from here. Um, I wish Nathan cleverly all the best because I think he was a great champion when he was a champion. Um, just don't know what he's got left in him. Very, very hard fight against Tony Bellew, of course. Then we go over to Saturday. Now, on Saturday, there was a little card at York Hall. Well, I say it was a, a little card. It was it was huge. I think there was 19 fights on the bill. But um Askin topped that bill. Matty got a win over Lawrence Bennett. Oh, sorry. No, he didn't get a win. My my mistake. He got a draw, a technical draw uh First round, both boxers fell through the ropes and out of the ring. Um, Barrett Barrett returning, but Askin being unable to, he was stretched from the venue. Hospital checks revealed that Askin had suffered severe bruising to his back and ribs. So very, very crazy uh, start and end. Start and end to a fight there, Askin, Lawrence Bennett. We may see that rescheduled in the near future. There was a grudge match on the bill, a real genuine grudge match. Leon Mackenzie fought John McAllum. Um, Leon Mackenzie gets the win. John McAllum retired after the sixth round, so uh, that was for that was an eliminator for the British Super Middleweight title. So Leon Mackenzie getting ever closer to the British title. Big ambition of his, big dream of his. Hopefully, he can do it. We're all behind him here. Yeah. Um, there was a show in Birmingham. Cali Fire moved to seventeen and oh, he defeated Jason Cunningham. That was for the vacant British Super Flyweight title. Cali um, Fire, big prospect for the future. His brother was also on the bill. Gamal Yafai. He's moved to eight and zero. Uh, he 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 fought Nasibu Ramahadney. Uh, Ramahadney had one point deducted in the eighth round because he kept holding. Sam Eginton got a win unanimously after 12 rounds over Dow Evans, Sam Eginton was knocked down in the second round. He walked straight on to a right hand by Dow Evans. And it, I thought we're going to really see what Egginton's made of. And he got straight back up. He bounced up like a jack in the box and continued fighting. So, um, It's really good to see to see this happen because Sam Eggington, a big prospect for Matchroom, he is—he's—he's um, he's been knocked down, he's got back up, he's managed to win the fight quite clearly. So that was good. That's very, very good for a fighter to to go through that type of experience early in their career. Matthew Macklin was also on the bill. He fought for the vacant WBC International Super Welterweight Title, also known as the 154 title, the light middleweight title. He fought Jason Wellborn. Uh, Wellborn was deducted a point was deducted in the fifth round for a low blow I think he hit him twice um, I think he hit Matthew Macklin twice that was called low uh, the second one in my opinion I don't think it was low but uh, Matthew Macklin went down both times one point was taken away and um, you know he, he seemed to sort of get his breath back because I think Matthew Macklin wasn't looking too great in that fight but nonetheless he gets his 34th win unanimous decision it was only a, t- it was only a 10 rounder Um then we move over to America. Now, in America, there was a bill that sort of went underneath the radar. We mentioned it last week. Um, Demetrius Andrade, he fought Dario Fabian Puchetta. and... Um, Andrade moved to 22-0 now, unbeaten. Um, he, he, he got a TKO victory in the second round. That was for the vacant WBA and WBO international super welterweight titles. That's obviously the 154 division yet again. Um, but they're only international titles, so it's not a world title or anything like that. But nonetheless, another piece of silverware for Andrade. Huge, huge, huge prospect for um for the future joey abel who we saw fight tyson fury he got a win this was in uh, black bear casino in minnesota he fought juan good um joey abel moves to 31 and 8 um juan good was only um he, he, you know he's now 6 and 2 he's, he hasn't had a huge career he um He only started boxing in 2011 professionally. Um, Moving over to the huge card in MSG, Madison Square Garden. GGG, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin fought David Lemieux. This was a unification fight in the middleweight division. Uh, Lemieux brought his IBF world middleweight title, which he won uh, against Hassan and Dam in his last fight. So it was his first defense of his IBF title. He fought Golovkin. Golovkin brought to the table his IBO uh, middleweight title. Uh, again, that's not um, you know that's not regarded as one of the biggest belts in boxing the IBO. But nonetheless, he brought his IBO world middleweight title. He brought his interim WBC world middleweight title and his WBA super world middleweight title. So there was four world titles on the line. Um, three of them in which are regarded as um, you know. the the belts to get, the belts that everybody wants. Gennady Golovkin moved to 34-0 and with 31 knockouts. He stopped David Lemieux Lemieux in the eighth round. Um, David Lemieux showed a lot of heart, a lot of courage. He came out um, literally every round throwing bombs, but he just was unable to really hit Golovkin. When he hit Golovkin, Golovkin was not really affected by his power. Golovkin was absolutely sensational. He did say in the build-up that he was going to show the fans a big drama show. Um, he really did. Um, from the first round, second round, third round, he was dominating Lemieux. He was outboxing Lemieux, uh, but really schooling him. Um Golovkin's jab, and I really, I'm going to go on record and say this. I think that Golovkin has got one of the best jabs in world boxing. This guy, and it wasn't just because he fought Lemieux, because, you know, Lemieux, he he hasn't got a lot of head movement. He's pretty easy to hit, in my opinion. Golovkin has just got an absolutely fantastic jab. We've seen him knock people down with a jab. You know, he's got... Scary power in both hands. And Golovkin is a real force to be reckoned with now. He, um, he, he, you know, he's now fighting the winner of Cotto and Canelo. Cotto and Canelo fight next month. Now, the winner of that has to face Golovkin. If they avoid Golovkin, Golovkin ends up taking... The belt that they're fighting for, which is the WBC title, at the moment Golovkin's only got the interim WBC title, which is which is kind of regarded as, um, you know, it's not so it's not it's not the belt that everybody wants. It's the interim is more like the second title. They're fighting for the first title, the main one. So uh, that's Cotto and Canelo. So the winner of that face is Golovkin. If they don't face him, then he gets upgraded to that. To that title. If they do face him, then the winner takes all the belts. Golovkin's aim is to get all the belts in the division. So after he fights the winner of uh, Cotto Canelo, he'll be gunning for the winner of Andy Lee against Billy Joe Saunders that's the WBO title that they hold well that Andy Lee holds that fight takes place on the 19th of December so Golovkin trying to get all the belts in the in the division you've got to respect him for that not a lot of other fighters are trying to uh, you know fight no one but unification fights um moving down that card Roman Gonzalez who's on a lot of people's pound for pound list even some of some people regard him as number one. Uh, Roman Gonzalez moves to 44 and 0. Very close to equaling Mayweather's record. Um, he's the WBC World Flyweight title holder. He beat and stopped in the ninth round Brian Veloria. Brian Veloria, um, he was down in round three. Um, Roman Gonzalez again. If you have not seen this guy box, you've got to get on YouTube. You've got to see what he can do because he's a fantastic, fantastic talent in the flyweight division. Um, moving down that card, um, Luis Ortiz King Kong boxing on Twitter. He fought Matias Ariel Vidondo. He knocked him out in the third round. Um, Vidondo was down in. Uh, in round two and round three, it was a really, really big knockout, a uh, big punch. Uh, the first knockdown was, was pretty heavy, and the second knockdown was the finisher. So you should watch that if you can. Uh, That's a good fight while it lasted. Uh, again, Luis Ortiz, he's the Cuban the Cuban southpaw. He moves to 23 and oh, He's unbeaten. He holds the interim WBA world heavyweight title. So um, hopefully we'll see him fight someone, you know, of with a bigger name in the future, in the near future. Also, again, another under the radar fight. This was in Virginia, USA, top of the bill. Lamont Peterson, he got a win. He picked up his 34th win against Felix Diaz. He he won that with a majority decision after 12 rounds. Okay. It's time for our guest on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Dave Caldwell. Dave, welcome to the show. How's it going, mate? right. Very good, yes, very good. Um, okay, so we've got a few questions for you. Um, you obviously was a pro boxer yourself, then you went into promoting, training, uh, managing. Do you yeah. still do all of those roles today?
1: Yes, I do, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm very active um, in the managing side of things. We've got about 25 fighters that I look after, all at different levels, You know, guys on the circuit, um, prospects coming through. And then obviously champions and and fighters like that. Uh, training wise, I train Tony Bellew, Jamie McDonald, Gavin McDonald at the moment, so uh, I've got those three. Um, and promotional wise, you know, we're still doing shows, not as not as busy as what I was, um, because I've I've took a little bit of a, uh, a backseat on that side of things, I'm concentrating more more on the management and training side of things.
2: Yeah, because um you've obviously you look after the free fighters, um, the two McDonald brothers and Tony yeah. Bellew. So there's only three fighters but yeah. a lot of potential in those three yeah. fighters.
1: Yeah, I mean the you know, there's there's a lot that goes on with those three fighters training wise. Um you know, there's a lot of time, a lot of lot of energy, a lot of um, you know, studying fights and things like that. At that sort of level it's it's quite um, you know, it, it it's time consuming um but also the level of boxers that i'm managing as well um you know uh, we've got my straight across the board that takes a lot of my time up as well you know from from fighters like tom doran that's boxing for uh, eliminator for a british he won the prize fighter. you know tony hill's now boxing for wbc silver title um you know and then you've got your prospects that you're bringing through also um so there's a lot, a lot of time and, and energy that goes into into everything that I'm doing. So, you know, it's a case of allocating, um, you know, the um, the time
2: out that that needs to be done. And what do you enjoy more out of what you do? Training, promoting, managing? Um, I would say at the moment,
1: the the fighters that I'm working with in the gym um, has reignited my my training passion. I'm I'm really enjoying that. Um, but I also enjoy managing fighters. Um, You know, I've got a good good young kid, Jordan Cook, who boxed at the weekend um, on the Sky Show. Watching kids like that, you know, um, fighters coming through that you're building up. um, I enjoy mapping out the careers and and, and seeing them coming on through. Um, But, you know, promoting, I would say, out of the three is is the, the... you know, least enjoyable. All that one is, is 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 pure stress, and without television, all you're doing is losing money. Um, you know, it's it's very very difficult. Um, but uh, managing, I do
2: enjoy. But training, I think I'm yeah you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the most at the moment. I want to ask you something about the McDonald brothers. Um, do you, in your opinion, think that Jamie gets enough credit? No. No way.
1: No. No. All, no. All. Um, To be honest, both kids, because you look at, you know, you look at the titles that Gavin's won as well. You know, if a lot of fighters might only have become British champions, but I say I'm I'm not being disparaging when I say only a lot of fighters. I'm just talking comparison, but a lot of fighters might have only become British champions, but yet get a lot higher profile and, you know, be talked about more. And, you know, there's a lot more buzz about them now you look at these kids that have won between them, they've won every single title that's open to them from area level, English, British Commonwealth, European, you know, and, and with Jamie world, you know, uh, and not just world, but, you know, going over to America and beating the favorite guy twice. Um, And I see a change now where Jamie McDonald's um, profile has gone higher. He is getting respect. He's getting credit. And more importantly, you know, the boxing fans, uh, wherever I go now, boxing fans are are talking to me about Jamie. So that's nice. Um, But it's taken a hell of a long time for him to get there. And also still he's um not spoken of uh in the same regards of of other champions out there you know i'm not knocking any other champions listen I, i want as many british World champions as possible, you know whether anything's to do with me or not. You know, I just think it's better for the sport. It's better, you know, as a whole. Um, if, if um we have as many world champs as possible. Um, but I just don't think Jamie gets talked about. Uh, certainly not in the media. Um, but you know, by the big names in boxing, he, he, he doesn't get spoke about, or maybe his name's mentioned last in a in a in a bunch. You know, uh, listen, fantastic. Kel a world champion. James Gale's a world champion. Whenever people are talking about these world champions, you know, those two guys are in front of what Jamie McDonald is and Jamie's achieved more.
2: I just I think it's like a lot of people they pay attention to the to the you know, to the higher weights, to like the heavies, the cruisers, stuff like um, that. And yes, I don't know why yeah. that is. I don't know uh, I why think, that I think,
1: is I think they do, but I think they pay attention to the hype. Yes. And and it's not necessarily the weights, I think it's the hype. And I think if you know a lot of uh, hype or a lot of um, media coverage or or talk is given to a certain person, that's where the focus goes. Um, and you know that's that's just how it is. And and like you said though, the weight division wise, bantamweight division doesn't get spoken as much. But because there's a lot of hype around Frampton and Scott Quick, that division is being talked about. That's only four pound heavier than bantamweight.
2: Do you yeah, know what I mean if, if Scott
1: Quiggan and and Frampton were, were boxing as bantamweights the bantamweight division would be talked about a lot do you get what i'm saying Very it's, good it, point. it's 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 down to the the hype of the fighters whatever weight they're in then if there's if there's a rivalry if there's it always helps when there's a rivalry i think um Kelbrook's got Amir Khan so them two are being talked about all the time, so it's built, you know, it's, it's putting focus on that. Amir Khan was chasing Floyd Mayworth, so on a world level, his hype was, was getting, you know, quite big. Um, you know, I think whenever you've got a rivalry, um, in a weight division, it, it just helps your name get out there. You know, George Gross, James DeGale, they've come through from about nine and thirteen fights respectively, something like that, where people are talking about them constantly, and it's helped their careers. Um, it always does. And unfortunately, at Bantamweight, um, there's not really that rivalry as such. The Bantamweight division has not really got that much money because there's not that much interest in it, apart from when you're boxing on an Al show yes. out in America. And that's where the money is. And that's why James has been boxing out yeah, no,
2: there. That's, that's, yeah, I understand that. Um, now, Gavin fights on Saturday. Yeah. He defends his EBU um, European yeah. title. Now, fight, he's fighting uh, Jeremy Parody, who we mm. saw fight Carl Frampton yeah. uh, two years back now. Yeah. This is a very, very tough opponent. Very what, tough, man. Very tough. What sort of um, footage are you are you watching of Parody? Not
1: really a lot of the Carl Frampton fight. I don't think he's in a box like he did against Frampton. I've watched about six or seven of his fights, um, and they're all his winning fights, where he comes forward. Where he's fighting tall ranger guys, he's coming forward, he's letting go with shots quite viciously as well. Um, you know, he, he really likes to throw that right hand over a lazy left jab, fire it in fast, and then it really whips in a left up. He, he's an aggressive little guy that keeps rumbling forward. Um, against Frampton, I think what he thought was this guy can really punch. Probably got hit early doors and thought I can feel this power. And he, you know, he 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 boxed in a more, you know, more not survival, but it it, it was more survival than. Than, than anything else in that fight. I think he was a, little, a lot more negative than what he normally is. He showed a lot of movement, a lot of movement in that just trying to get away from crampton shots and trying to find pot shots himself. Uh, I don't think he boxes like that against Gavin because I think you look at Gavin McDonald on his tapes or internet or YouTube or whatever you want to do um, and he's not a banger. Um, he's not particularly fast and he's there to be it. So I think he's going to come rumbling forward trying to take Gavin out and really uh, trying to put him under pressure. Um, Gavin McDonald. Now compared to the last time he had time he's in the fight. He's he's showing a lot of different things. So you know, um, it's going to be interesting on fight night to see how Gavin performs
2: under the lights. And I just wanted to ask, also last question on the the McDonald brothers. Um, there's a lot of brothers in boxing. Um, when they're in the gym, some of them stay away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they're very close. They're always yeah. in each other's corner. Yeah. Do they do they um, do they spar each other at all? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Did I did I go for it? Yeah, they do.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's it's good. It it is good, but uh, I mean, apparently all they did mainly was spar with each other mainly, uh, and in house sparring. Um, But now, um, you know, I've I've brought sparring partners in for Jamie. I've brought sparring partners in for Gavin, um, and then they'll spar together, rarely and if when needed, but. They still do when they do. It's it's uh, it's full on. There's a lot of banter between the pair of them where you know um uh, one's. Telling the other one that, you know, he, he, his belts don't mean anything because he's not got a world title. And the other one's telling him that, well, you might have a world title, but, you, but you've been beat. I'm only, I'm only one that's unbeaten in family. So there's a lot of banter that's going on between those So constantly it is. It's good fun and it's it's, it's a really good atmosphere and they bounce off each other. They're absolutely fantastic to have in the gym together. Um, but the serious work does get done.
2: Yeah, that's good. Um, Tony Bellew. Obviously, he's, he's now fighting at Cruiserweight. Yeah. When will an announcement be made? When is it likely for him to be fighting for a world title? We're just
1: waiting on on Eddie to make the announcement on the next fight. The next fight is a big fight. Um so we're, you know, uh, just waiting just waiting for confirmation really. We've already started training. Um we kind of know which fight it's going to be, but um we're just waiting for it to all to be uh also be announced by uh, Big Eddie
2: fair enough fair enough all right i've got ayaz on the call my partner he's got a couple of questions for you david then we'll let you go no
0: worries hello dave how you doing hi mate. how's you yeah i'm not too bad i want to ask you Jamie mcdonald are we ever going to see him step up a world Uh, yes Uh, step away 100 100 um
1: he's he's gonna fight at bantamweight his next one we'll see how how he feels at that um and also, it's about what you know. What fights are out there? We we would like to fight um, Payano, um, but it doesn't look like um, Heyman's people are wanting Jamie to fight Payano next. I think um, the the name that they've given us is is you know isn't him. Um, uh, so we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see how how that works out. But then we anticipate next year it'll, it'll be a put super bantamweight.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, can we see him in the future fight Scott Quick yeah i would i would i would be uh i would be surprised
1: if that fight didn't happen because obviously they have both got the same promoter and it's, it's a fight we've said you know obviously it makes sense you, know, you step up you fight quick um, but there's other fights out there at Superbent. There's a lot of big fights for him at there's, um There's obviously the Carl Frampton fight there. I'm sure that could get made, uh, I think, stylistically. I think Frampton's a, a, a better match for, for Jamie than what could be. I, think, I, think, I still think... Um, Jamie can beat Quigg, but I just think style-wise, I think, I think Frampton's possibly easier to beat than, than what Quigg is. That's not suggesting that any reflection on, on how I think that fight would go between those two. Um, but also, there's uh, there's Seija who's, who's uh, James already beat, and he he uh, had a big fight they won out there uh, in the states before a week before he was out there um and he then called out jamie um so there's an option for that one Um they spoke about santa cruz so there's, there's a lot of big fights out there at super bantamweight so yeah definitely he's gonna step up there um and definitely i do i do envisage him
0: fighting quick at some point obviously you were part of haymakers um From your perspective, do you think George Gretz will be a world champion? Um, Very difficult to say, because... You know, you can go back to the likes of, of when when Bruno kept getting beat,
1: you know, and you could say, you know, is, is Frank Bruno ever going to be a world champion? But then he, he he got his final shot and he and he took it and he won it, you know. Um, so there is there is a, a, a chance that, that George can come back and um, become world champion. Um, my my issue with George is that I do think that he needs. Um, for me, Adam Booth was a great fit for George. Um, I saw it up close and personal how how they work together and what Adam did to Joe stylistically, layer, mentally, everything. Um, and, and I I do I have seen the in him since, since he left Adam. Um, yeah, it's none of my business to tell him that I oh, should he, you know he shouldn't have left uh, Adam Booth. He should be going back to Adam Booth. That's none of my business. But it's just my observation from seeing it from from the inside. Um, some fighters just, you know, they work with certain people, and and certain people can get get the best out of them, and and they can create something special. And I think he was he was on course to doing something um, big in the sport and, and being special. Um, I do think he's gone backwards. Um, I don't know if he's if it's something that he can pull back, but if he if it is, then he needs to go with somebody if not Adam he needs to go somebody like Adam he needs, he needs that back he does need that back he needs that defence that twitchiness that sharpness and that speed he needs he needs he needs to go back to that and if he can go back to that then yes he can he can win a world title he was he was a very very good fighter a very very good potential um, to be a world star in, in, in our eyes we you know we used to be very excited about
0: him. from your perspective who wins the fight uh, De Geo or Brooks?
1: now um yes. De Gale now, I think De Gale's improved. Um, I think
0: George has gone backwards. Mm-hmm. And finally, what do you think of Nathan Cleverly's performance against Van Forer? Uh,
1: nuts and guts. It was full of it. You know, he he, he put everything out there. He really gave it a good go. Thought he had a great chance of winning it. Unfortunately, he broke his nose. Um, and that's you know that's that's very difficult to. Especially when you're going at a fast pace and hard fight like that, when when you've got a broken nose, that's very very difficult to cope with. Um, but I do think he needs some sort of defence um, if he's going to go any further in the sport, if he's going to get out of that world title again um, and, and win the big fights, he needs to have some sort of defence. That, you know, look, looking at it, it, it wasn't. I don't like seeing fighters taking that, that amount of punches to the head.
2: Okay, David. Uh, last question I've got for you. I'm gonna to have to put you on the spot here. No worries. <laughs> Aside from yourself, at this moment in time, now not the most successful, but just yep. purely in your opinion, who is the best trainer we've got in Britain? Adam Booth. <laughs> no, no time to think about I've,
1: it. I've worked, I've worked with Adam for years, um, and um, you know, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that I've learned a lot off Adam Booth. I've been lucky to have. have been around or worked with a lot of good trainers and watched a lot of good trainers what people you know people don't realise is that I started off um, you know, back in 1996 I started uh, training kids um, and, and amateur kids and stuff like that and you know I, I, I seen the Ingalls work up close and um, you know I was there for 10 years um, but then yeah, I, did, I did little bits with, with, with Howard Rainey and um, then I started for years, I was doing the house second uh, um for, for Frank Warren. Now, people like to take, you know take the make and, and mock the bucket boy. I was a bucket boy. All I did was I, I stuck a stool in that ring and held the bucket while some fighter just spat in the bucket and, and that's it you wash the gum shield out and that's it and people like to mock that fair dues but you know what In that, as, as that bucket was, I learned so much fighters that were in the ring that were in that corner that might you know Jimmy Tibbs I'd be training them you, you've see so many fighters so many trainers so many great trainers that you know, are that, that in that corner that working and I just used to listen and I'd soak it all up I've worked with Adam for years up close working with him, the fighters, with George Rose, David Days, get to learn things, you get to you get to soak again, soak up things. You know, I'm, I'm lucky to have done that. I've, you know, been over to America, I've there. So all in all, when you look at things and you look at the trainers that we've got, Adam Booth and what he does, um, overall, is, is fantastic. He's a great trainer. Jimmy Tidd is one of my favourite people that I worked in the corner with. Well, I worked in the corner with him twice. But the knowledge that that man's got is fantastic.
2: Okay, and um, how do you think he's going to get on with, with Chris Eubank Jr.?
1: <laughs> I've actually spoke to him about this. I was a bit shocked. <laughs> I was a bit shocked about that one. Um, listen, if if he's allowed to work as he wants to work and as he needs to work with the fire, then it'll be great. And it's the best thing that could happen to, uh, to, to Chris Eubank Jr., because um, the things that he needs to improve on, Adam can 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 improve. You know, I, I always thought that the biggest mistake that Cleverly made was not sticking it out with with Adam. You know, he he went there and he started there, but he didn't he didn't stay there.
2: Mr. Caldwell, thank you very much for giving us some of your time today.
1: Not a problem, mate. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
2: Now it's the part of the show where we do the preview. So we're going to preview the fights for this coming weekend. Okay, so. There's a little card I just want to mention uh, on the Friday night, Kiko Martinez. He gets back in the ring after he's lost to Scott Quigg, um, TKO round two to, to Scott Quigg. That was on, in Manchester. In July, he gets back in there in Spain, in his in his um in his home country. He fights a guy called Harold Molina. Harold Molina, 18 wins, 12 losses, three draws. It's only an eight rounder, but um at least it gets Kiko Martinez back out. um His record now 32 wins and six losses. Um okay, moving on to the on to the Saturday night because there's not much on the Friday. Moving on to the Saturday night. There's a big bill in Sheffield Arena. Um, Gavin McDonald, top of the bill, he defends his, U- his EBU title against Jeremy Parody. Now, a lot of people may not have heard of Jeremy Parody. He's the guy who lost to Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton knocked him out in the sixth round. That was back in 2013, I believe. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a good fighter. His record's 37 and 2. I'm not sure how credible all his opponents have been. But, yeah, 37 wins, two losses, and one draw, Jeremy Parody. He fights Gavin McDonald, obviously brother of Jamie McDonald. Uh, so, Gavin McDonald, record 13 wins, zero losses, and two draws. But that would be a good little scrap, to be honest. I think that's a, that's a quite a test for Gavin McDonald because. Parody's very experienced and um, durable, but not a lot of punching power himself. He's only got the, I think he's got nine knockouts, yeah, nine knockouts in 37 wins. Moving down that card, it's his first, well, it's his matchroom sports debut. Chris Eubank Jr., he fights Tony Jetta, and he's, Chris Eubank is, Defending his WBA world his interim WBA world middleweight title against Tony Jeter, uh, Chris Eubank Jr. massive prospect for the future. Is massive prospect in the future. I actually
0: like Chris Chris Eubank Jr. and I want to see how he does against Tony Jetta as this is his first fight and he's headlining um, the Sheffield Motorpoint Arena.
2: I'm not. No, I don't think he's the headline. I think he's um he's the he's the chief support behind McDonald. Yes. Oh, sorry because Brook pulled
0: out last week and due to the injury.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen about that because there was a lot of talk because obviously it's the 24th of October on Saturday and Fury was supposed to fight Vladimir Klitschko and that was going to be a pay-per-view and half of the card was going to be in in Sheffield with Brook topping the bill against Diego Chavez but um, The Fury and Vlad fight got cancelled because of an injury with Vlad. And now the Brook fight has been cancelled because of an injury with Brook. Um, I'm not sure what's going to happen because obviously Vlad Klitschko is going to be fighting on the 28th of November. And that's also going to be a pay-per-view. But I don't know if there's going to be an English-based card as well. Because I don't know if Sky are going to have a fantastically easy job of selling the pay-per-view to the public. um, If there's only like one fight. Um, on the bill, you know, that we're interested in uh, as you know, all the casual fans are interested in. Um, Okay. Moving over to United States of America, Nebraska, he's really put this place on the map. Uh, Terrence Crawford. He, he defends his WBO world super lightweight title against Thierry Jean. His record 29 wins, 20 by knockout and one loss. Now, his only loss was to Lamont Peterson, and now he fights arguably the best 140 fighter for the last few years, um, Terence Crawford. Well, sorry, I take that back. We haven't seen anything of him at 140 yet. So, um, you know, he was a great 135 fighter. And, uh, and, you know, it'd be interesting because he's only had, is it? I think he's only had the one fight uh, at 140. He fought Thomas DeLorme and knocked him out in the sixth round to win the vacant WBO World Super Lightweight title. Again, the Super Lightweight title was also known as the Light Welterweight, the 140 title, uh, the division that that uh, Danny Garcia held them belts in or holds them belts in. Um, yeah, so... My regime, credible opponent. Opponent, um, but again, I think Terence Crawford probably beats him and beats him quite well. Um, Terence Crawford trying to move to twenty-seven and zero. Um, yeah, so we're going to go back to Terence Crawford in a moment. But um, moving down that card, Andy Ruiz Jr., he tries to get to 26-0. and 0. He fights Rafael Zumbano Love. A lot of people will remember Zumbano Love. He came over and fought Joshua, and Joshua stopped him in the second round. Well, he gets out. He's actually had a one win since the Joshua fight. He's only had one fight, but the one win, and he, he knocked the guy out in the first round. So he gets in. He's only had one round of boxing uh, since his fight against Joshua. So he fights Andy Ruiz Jr. Andy Ruiz Jr., it's good to see him get back out again. Again, he's a prospect in the heavyweight division from America. Moving down that card also, a lot of people haven't mentioned this, um, Evgeny Gradovich fights on the bill. He fights a guy called Aldimar Silva Santos. Now this is his first fight back after losing his IBF world featherweight title to Lee Selby who we talked about earlier on the show. So uh, yeah, he he fights uh, Aldimar Silva Santos. His record Santos's record 19 wins and 8 losses. Um Gradovic obviously 19 wins, one loss and the one draw. Uh, it'd be good to see what he's got left in him. Um I think he will have a lot left even though he was beaten pretty um, pretty pretty clearly. Um, anything to add on that card, Ayaz? All I want to do is just see the fights happening. Yeah, me too. Um, I said I'd move back to Terence Crawford. Um, how big of a prospect, because we've only seen one fight at 140, how big of a prospect do you think he's in the 140 division? Bear in mind, everything he's done has been at 135. I reckon he's actually quite a big prospect.
0: He could be next pound-for-pound pound start in the 140 division.
2: Yeah, Frank Warren thinks he will be. Um, I think, I mean, I'd love to see him fight Danny Garcia, but I don't know what's going on with Danny Garcia. Has he moved up to 147 yeah. yet? Or is it still just...
0: Remember, um, he had that 147, his first 147 fight, wasn't it against,
2: is it Lamont-Peterson? Ah or... uh, no, 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 no. It was against... Um, oh, no, no. The Lamont-Peterson fight was at a catch yeah. weight. He fought... Paulie Malignaggi, yes, he did. didn't he? Yes, Paulie Malignaggi. That was his one fight, at one forty-seven. Um, obviously, he stopped Malignaggi in the ninth round. But um, I just don't know. I mean, it'd be good. I mean, it would have been good to, 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 for those guys to have fought maybe last year. And who do you think would win if that fight did take place before Danny Garcia moved up to one forty-seven? If he was still at one forty today. Who would win, in your opinion, Danny Garcia or Terence Crawford?
0: the thing is, I ain't seen much of Crawford. Garcia, I've seen a lot of him. So, in my opinion, I reckon Garcia wins
2: that fight. I'm going to have to disagree. Um, you should watch the Crawford-Ricky Burns fight. Uh, Ricky Burns, you know, obviously, he was a great champion. Um, you know, he, he really, he, he lost to... Um, what was that guy's name? Uh, he broke his jaw. Uh, Ricky Burns had a broken jaw. Oh gosh, it's absolutely slipped me. Um, totally forgot his name. Ah, uh, Ray uh, Ray Beltran. That was it. Yeah, Ray Beltran. He 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 beat um, Ricky Burns pretty clearly, and it, it went down as a split a split draw. Um, then Ricky Burns obviously carried his WBO World Lightweight title into the next fight, where he fought Terence Crawford. And Terence Crawford absolutely scored him, in my opinion. And he was he was fantastic, Terence Crawford. We'd never really seen anything of him over over here um, until that fight, and he was brilliant. And then we saw Terence Crawford fought quite a few people since then and got some good wins. He fought Gamboa gave Gamboa his first loss and then he gave a shot to Raimondo Beltran again because obviously he should have been the title holder against, against Ricky Burns uh, at, the, at the end of that fight. He fought um, Beltran and then he beat Beltran unanimously. Um, again, I'm not sure if that was a voluntary or a mandatory, but nonetheless, he beat Beltran. He moved on to the next fight, Thomas Delorme, and he, um, he gave Thomas Delorme his second loss. On his record, um, obviously, his other loss was to Luis Carlos Abregu. But, yeah, um, I think he's a brilliant fighter. And, honestly, it would be crazy if he moves up to 147 soon because he's he's got tons and tons and tons of ability. And it will be fantastic to see him mix it with the big boys in that division. Okay, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for here on the Box Hard Podcast. So we're going to conclude this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening last week and the week before and the week before and the week before. We love it. We're also on iTunes now, so you can go on to to podcast and you can search for the box hard podcast or just type in boxing podcast we are only third down the list behind toe-to-toe and boxing news um for everybody that listens on soundcloud thank you very much please follow please retweet and we'll see you next week goodbye